A warning. This episode features discussions of mental health conditions and suicide. Listener discretion is advised, especially for those under 13. If you or someone you love is struggling with suicidal thoughts or the impulse to self-harm, please seek help. The United States National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Sometimes the mystery of a disappearance hurts as much as the person's absence. You lose someone you love and you don't know how or why. All you can do is place your trust in the authorities that they'll do everything in their power to find the missing. But what happens when authorities commit a number of mistakes and it becomes impossible to find answers? When the investigation makes a painful case worse. I'm Sarah Turney, and this is Disappearances, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Thursday, I'll discuss a new missing person case ripped from history. I want to better understand the many reasons people disappear and the impact their absences can have on those left behind. Today, I'd like you to meet a respected attorney who seemed to have it all, a successful career, a loving family, a beautiful home. Then one day he drove away and left it all behind. His name is Ray Grecar. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. This episode is brought to you by Too Faced Cosmetics and Better Than Sex Mascara. The name literally says it all. This mascara is that good. There is a formula for anyone and everyone available in original, waterproof, and chocolate that thickens, lengthens, and curls to give you all the drama and volume. Or try the new Naturally Better Than Sex. It has a 98% naturally derived formula. Shop Too Faced Better Than Sex Mascara at Sephora today. If you've seen one episode of Law & Order, you know that district attorneys or DAs are a pretty big deal. They're essentially the government's lawyers. They decide what charges the state will press against criminals. DAs are usually meticulous in their work. They have to go by the book, so they're always under pressure. The upside is they generally get a lot of respect. In the 1970s and 80s, few DAs are more respected than Ray Grecar. He works as a prosecutor in mostly blue collar counties in Ohio and Pennsylvania putting violent criminals behind bars. On the street and in the courtroom, Ray earns the admiration of nearly everyone he meets, 
even his opponents. Outside of work, though, Ray isn't what you'd call adventurous. His early life reads like classic Americana. An early baby boomer, he grows up going to baseball games in Cleveland with his older brother, Roy. You heard that right, Ray and Roy. It's confusing, but important. The two are practically inseparable as kids, but Roy stays in Ohio his whole life, while Ray's road to becoming DA takes him a little further away. As you might expect, Ray's the type of person who's laser-focused on achieving the goals he sets for himself, and it never takes him long to check milestones off his list. After high school, he attends undergrad in Dayton, then marries his college sweetheart. From there, he gets into law school and sets his sights on a job as an assistant prosecutor in Cuyahoga County, Ohio, closer to his family. Naturally, he gets the job and puts the same energy into his work as he does everything in life, but Ray's focus can sometimes come off as a little short or impatient. According to one of his colleagues, anytime he felt a conversation was over, Ray would thank them for visiting his office, open the door, and just wait for them to leave. With Ray, it's business first, no matter how difficult his job gets. And from the earliest days in his career, Ray goes after tough cases. Career criminals, violent offenders, the worst felony cases. He spends most days combing through evidence boxes filled with rape, murder, and assault. When that's done, he comes face to face with the culprits in court. But his life isn't all darkness. In 1978, Ray and his wife Barbara adopt a baby girl, Lara. She brings a whole new perspective to Ray's life. Suddenly, work isn't the most important thing in life. After so many years of grinding, Ray quits his job to become a stay-at-home dad. Barbara gets a job offer from Penn State, and she takes it. They move to the Pennsylvania suburbs and settle down in a picturesque town called Belfont. Think small-town charm with a main street filled with Victorian architecture. Ray's life has moved in a whole new direction, a slower pace. Then, a Pennsylvania district attorney knocks on Ray's door. The DA heard about Ray's reputation as a lawyer and wants to recruit him. Now, from what I can tell, the decision to accept or not is difficult for Ray. He seems to love being a stay-at-home dad the freedom it affords him, the time he's able to spend with his family. But there's probably a part of him that misses the courtroom. The Pennsylvania DA promises the role will be a part-time assistant prosecutor position. It won't take up much of Ray's time. It can't. Center County, Pennsylvania has maybe one murder a year. So Ray accepts the position. For a while, it seemed like a good fit. Everything is as promised. But that same year, his boss, the DA, becomes a judge. So someone needs to fill his shoes. And with Laura in school, Ray seemingly has more time on his hands. He takes the leap. He runs for county DA in 1985, wins, and further throws himself back into work full force. And Ray's suddenly working more than full time. Despite the long hours, he knows he's setting an example for his daughter. He quickly gains a reputation as a tough but fair prosecutor with a strong moral compass. But as the years pass, 
the strains of his job seem to take a toll on his life, and soon Ray's marriage suffers. Sometime in the early 90s, he and Barbara get divorced. A few years later, when Laura heads off to college, Ray gets back in the dating game. He remarries a woman named Emma, but their relationship seems to be tested by their differences. Ray likes to stay in, but Emma is extroverted and social. Their marriage dissolves over some years, and in 2001, it comes to an end. Ray pursues other relationships. He's known around town as a bit of a flirt, but nothing seems to stick until about 18 months later, when he moves in with a woman named Patty Fornicola. Patty works as a clerk in his office, so there's an element of convenience and camaraderie to their relationship, which only becomes more true when they move in together. To everyone around him, Ray seems happy with the path his life is on. At least until 2005. In January of that year, Ray announces he's not going to run for re-election. He's ready to retire. He wants to travel and spend more time with Lara. She's now in Washington State, and he misses her. For Ray, the countdown to an exciting new chapter begins, and he can't wait. A few months later, on April 15th, Ray calls Patty from his car. It's around 11.30 a.m. on a Friday. He says he doesn't feel like going to work, so he's not going to. He's going to play hooky and go antique shopping. Ray collects old toys as a hobby, and some new ones too, like the brand new bright red Mini Cooper he's calling from. Ray tells Patty he's headed to Lewisburg, a town on the banks of the Susquehanna River, just over 50 miles away. He says he's currently on Route 192, and mentions that he won't be home to feed and walk their dog. This trip isn't unusual for Ray. He likes a particular antique mall out there, and he loves to go on drives. When she hangs up, Patty doesn't give the call much thought. Until Ray isn't home for dinner. It's not like him to be out of touch for so long. She calls his cell phone repeatedly, but he doesn't answer. Around 11.30 p.m., Patty frantically calls 911. Her voice cracks as she tells the dispatcher Ray's missing. A search begins almost immediately. The police put out a county-wide bulletin. A patrol car canvasses Route 192 to see if Ray's car broke down. Officials don't find anything unusual until 12 hours later, when a state trooper finds Ray's Mini Cooper. It's empty and locked, parked at the antique mall near Lewisburg, exactly where Ray told Patty he was going. Then, when the trooper examines the car, he finds something strange. Cigarette ash. Ray doesn't smoke. He hates smoking. It would be especially out of character for him to let someone smoke in his car, but there are ashes on the passenger side carpet and the smell of cigarettes is overwhelming. The only other item in the car is Ray's cell phone. It's turned off. Police later question employees in some of the local shops near the antique mall. One claims they saw Ray, but he wasn't alone. There was a woman with him. 
Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch. Because this is the turn it up to 11 NBA playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. It's April 16th, 2005, and Ray Grecar has been out of contact with his girlfriend, Patty Fornicola, and his friends and family for about 36 hours. But as officials learn, a lot of strangers saw Ray and his car since his phone call with Patty. It's hard to miss his bright red Mini Cooper. Several witnesses at the antique mall saw it pull into a dirt lot next to the Lewisburg Antique Mall on Friday. One man claims he saw Ray wander around talking to a woman. They weren't obviously romantic. They weren't holding hands or anything, but it seemed like they were together. Police also learn Ray stayed the night in the area. Witnesses saw Ray and his car around Lewisburg the next day, Saturday. He was alone. There wasn't a woman with him. He seemed to drive back and forth through town all morning. A few witnesses saw him eventually stop at the park across the street from the museum where they worked. He didn't look like he had any specific reason for being there. Once he got out of his car, he sat on a bench without any clear agenda. For those closest to Ray, it didn't sound like him at all. Maybe he was working something out. Maybe he just wanted to clear his head. Whatever it was, he didn't tell anyone. Then, just before noon, it seems Ray drove his car to the antique shop one last time. He got out of his car, locked it, walked away, and hasn't been seen or heard from since. After gathering testimony, the working theory for police becomes that Ray was having an affair and hiding it from Patty. They try to track down the woman from the shop based on witness descriptions. She was about 5'9", with short, dark hair and looked to be between 30 and 40 years old. Almost immediately, officials have an idea of who it might be. It sounds like one of Ray's friends, former TV reporter Barbara Petito. Barbara was also a smoker, which would explain the ash and smell in Ray's car. Police visit Barbara's home and office, but she's nowhere to be found. For a second, it seems like a case of a man running off with his mistress. Then they learn Barbara is on vacation. She hasn't seen Ray for a few weeks. It couldn't have been her. Now, before we go any further, I want to stress just how different Ray's relationship to the police is from the average missing person. He was a county DA for 20 years, which means basically every law enforcement official knows who he is if they don't know him well personally. 
Now, you would think this means the police put as much time and resources into tracking down any potential lead as they can, but that's not what happens. After clearing Barbara Petito, the investigation takes an unexpected turn. They quit pursuing the mystery woman, the biggest lead they have. They don't release a witness description to the public. They don't even mention that Ray was with a woman the day before he disappeared. On some level, it makes sense why they would want to keep the information quiet. If the story got out, the public might make the same leap in logic the police did, that Ray was having an affair. That would put Patty and his loved ones through potentially unnecessary pain, when at the end of the day, there was no evidence to prove that was the case. What I can't understand is why they would stop looking entirely for this woman. They could have kept that aspect of their investigation internal, searched local hotels, quietly put out an all-points bulletin for Ray and the mysterious woman. But they don't. For some reason, the police wasted time tracking Barbara Petito down, when they could have just shown witnesses a picture of her. They could have ruled her out without disrupting her life, and saved themselves time and energy that would have been better spent elsewhere. A week after Ray's disappearance, officials are no closer to answers. But the theory that Ray ran off with a mistress loses traction thanks to his daughter, Lara. Ray and Lara always had a strong connection, and it only grew stronger when she became an adult. She may have lived on the other side of the country, but they spoke on the phone often. His secretaries were instructed to pass Lara directly to Ray's line anytime she called. If they didn't, he would get really upset. He hated missing an opportunity to talk with his daughter. Even if Ray ran off with a mistress, he wouldn't have cut off contact with Lara. And she hasn't heard from him. Neither has Patty, his colleagues, or anyone else for that matter. He hasn't used any credit cards or taken out cash. As far as the police can tell, he didn't even book a hotel on the night he reportedly stayed in Lewisburg. There's the mystery woman, the cigarette ash, the sightings. The only other piece of relevant information they find is Ray's work laptop is missing from its case at home, which is strange because why would he have taken it antiquing? And if he did, why didn't they find it in his car when they searched? About three and a half months after Ray disappears, officials find their answer. Some locals are fishing under a bridge where Ray was last seen when one of them hooks onto something big. When they reel it in, it's Ray's laptop. And the hard drive is missing, which isn't something that happened by accident. You have to open the computer and unscrew the hard drive to remove it. Someone wanted to get rid of the laptop and make sure nobody ever found the information stored on it. The discovery attracts renewed interest in the case. Headlines appear in local papers, but officials still don't release any more information to the media. Then, about two months later, a woman walking along the riverbank with her son finds a shiny block of metal sticking out in shallow water, only about half a mile from where Ray's car was found abandoned. It's a hard drive. Police assume it belonged to Ray, it's the right bank and model. 
but after five months of being submerged in the river, they can't access any of the files. They send the drive to an FBI forensic lab to see if someone can extract any information, but they can't. The data can't be recovered. This means there's no way to prove it was Ray's, but the circumstantial evidence is impossible to ignore. It suggests someone wanted to hide something. And soon, the cops have a new theory. Murder. Identifying possible suspects is easy. Ray put a lot of people behind bars in his career, many of whom were violent offenders, but narrowing down the list is hard. First, police look at any recently released convicts. It wouldn't be the first time a released prisoner tracked down the attorney who put them away. But turns out most of the men and women Ray prosecuted are still in prison. Detectives follow up on a few who've been released. None were anywhere near Ray's last known location in Lewisburg. Still, the police stay focused on the theory that Ray was murdered. They even give Patty a lie detector test to eliminate her as a suspect. She passes. 13 months after Ray's disappearance, officials finally release details about the woman seen shopping with him the day before he went missing. It's too little too late. No new clues emerge. No one comes forward. By 2009, it's been four years, and the number of officials working on Ray's case has thinned considerably. To generate more interest, officials disclose information that has never been released to the public. Early in the investigation, the police discovered something shocking on Ray's personal computer. Days before he disappeared, somebody Googled phrases like how to fry a hard drive and water damage to a notebook computer. It must have been Ray because Patty tells police it wasn't her. At the time, officials figured Ray wanted to erase his data from his laptop because he was retiring soon but the new authorities working the case are more suspicious. In their eyes, Ray had to have known how easily his search history could be retrieved. He was a skilled prosecutor. So they start to wonder whether maybe he wanted people to find the activity. Officials just don't know why. And by releasing this information to the public now, they hope it can generate new leads but some members of Ray's family suspect the answers may have something to do with Ray's brother, Roy. To them, Roy is the key to understanding Ray's case because nearly 10 years before Ray disappeared, Roy also went missing. It's May, 1996, nine years before Ray Gricar goes missing. His brother Roy is living in Dayton, Ohio, and he just lost his job at the local Air Force base. One day, he tells his family he's going to the hardware store to pick up some mulch, and he never returns. After hearing about his brother's disappearance, Ray immediately travels to Ohio to aid in the search. He coordinates with police and speaks to the reporters. Weeks later, Roy's body is discovered the official cause of death is listed as suicide. When Ray Gricar goes missing almost a decade later, it's his family and not the police who notice several striking similarities to Roy's disappearance. 
both of their cars were discovered near major rivers, with large bridges nearby. Roy's son, Tony, even compares aerial photos of where the brothers' cars were found. And the locations are almost identical. This has led many to wonder whether Ray died by suicide and intentionally mirrored his brother's death. At the time, his career was coming to an end. His daughter was on the other side of the country. It's possible his mental health was suffering. He had always been deeply affected by his brother's death and spent his career dealing with the darker sides of human nature. Prolonged exposure to so much pain can wear on anyone's psyche. We all take our work home in one way or another. I mean, I know I do. Don't get me wrong, I love the work I do. I truly feel like advocating for these cases and the legacies of those I speak about is what I'm meant to be doing. I don't take the platform I have lightly, and I want to always use it to give back to others and the communities who have been there for me. But I'm not gonna lie and say it doesn't get overwhelming sometimes. Even if it's not your work, maybe you just consume a lot of true crime content. It's important to take a step back sometimes and take care of your mental health. Find what works for you. Therapy, exercise, artistry, cooking, baking, whatever it is, immersing yourself in these extremely important but tragic stories can take its toll. Some investigators believe Ray kept a journal, and he destroyed the hard drive to erase personal writing he didn't want to survive him. On the Monday after he went missing, one of Ray's assistants found a law book on their desk. It was open to a chapter on the procedures for when a sitting DA goes missing or dies, almost as if he left them directions for what to do when he was gone. But the reality is, we don't know how Ray died, and we can't know what he was thinking. Most of his family, friends, and colleagues have rejected the theory that he died by suicide, because in their eyes, he didn't appear to be depressed. He seemed almost excited about the next chapter of his life. Plus, not all the facts support the idea of suicide. The bridge where his laptop was discovered isn't very tall. It's only about 25 feet to the water. A fall from that height would likely not be fatal. That spot of the river at the time of year was also pretty shallow. You could almost wade out to the middle of it, and though his laptop and hard drive were found, his body hasn't been. Which brings me back to the investigation and its shortcomings. I don't need to rehash everything I've already mentioned, but I think the biggest aspect of this case that I just can't get past is, even as the investigation reached dead end after dead end, it stayed with the local police in Belfont. Even though he was one of their own and a prominent elected official, state police never claimed jurisdiction. It's without a doubt the type of case they would normally get involved in, but they just didn't. There are three possible explanations that I can think of. First, officials knew more about Ray's disappearance than they let on. They had an idea of what was on his computer and did not want it to come to light. They steered the investigation away from finding real answers because they didn't want them to be found. 
I don't think it's likely, and I certainly hope it's not true. But it's possible. Second, they could have let their pre-existing bias overshadow the needs of the investigation. Usually, bias stems from negative preconceptions, like classism, racism, and sexism. But it's possible Ray's case may have been hindered by positive bias. Authorities could have ignored leads that didn't align with their positive image of Ray. Or they could have been so concerned about his reputation, they prevented anyone, including state officials, from pursuing theories that could tarnish it. And then there's the third option. It was just a perfect storm of incompetence and miscommunication at every level. I checked, and some of the authorities who handled Ray's case over the years are no longer in law enforcement, including the DA who led the case. One of the primary investigators was fired for misconduct. Regardless of what's true, none of these explanations are acceptable or fair to Ray or his loved ones. In 2011, Ray was declared legally dead. There have been multiple sightings of Ray since. None have panned out. But there's still hope that answers are out there. And because that's true, it's worth it to me to keep this story alive. Next episode. When one of the wealthiest widows in Chicago disappears without a trace, the evidence suggests foul play. And the suspect list includes a gigolo, a houseman, and the mafia of horse racing. Thank you for listening. In the time it took you to listen to this episode, 30 people disappeared in the United States alone. If you or someone you know needs assistance with a missing person case, please visit seasonofjustice.org. Season of Justice is a nonprofit organization that provides funding to law enforcement agencies and families to help solve cold cases. For full disclosure, I am a member of the board. It's a great resource for both law enforcement and families in order to bring closure to those impacted by unsolved violent crime. You can find all episodes of Disappearances and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Disappearances stars Sarah Turney and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound design by Alex Button, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, and Aaron Larson. This episode of Disappearances was written by Andrew Messer, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire and Connor Sampson, fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Mickey Taylor. To hear more stories hosted by me, check out my other podcast, Voices for Justice.